0: Welcome to Going on Offense, our first huddle. We're excited to have you all with us. After managing population health and well-being, and specifically population mental health for the last 20 years, we decided to focus on, we learned that early intervention and prevention are the keys to success. As this virus and economic demise came into the world, we knew that these conditions would have devastating impacts on the emotional well-being of individuals. Instead of staying back and hoping our families, friends, and coworkers would be okay, we decided to go on offense and start an effort to engage as many as we could in a proactive effort to address these issues. We thank you for joining us and being a part of this effort to be proactive. We believe that creativity and the creativity of people can be far more powerful than just one person alone. We're holding these huddles every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in an effort to both support those who are struggling, but also to brainstorm and work together to share creative strategies to inject hope, optimism, where there may be doubts and despair. We want to acknowledge that there is real grief and fear that exists in almost everyone's heart today, and not discount that in any way while at the same time offer healing and support, as well as hope, and ways that people can join an effort to go on offense and do something to fight back and battle the effects of the virus on the emotional well-being of individuals. Before I introduce our guest panelists, I'd like to outline some parameters and some ground rules for our huddle today. We welcome your participation and hope that you will be a part of these conversations. At At the same time, we ask that people not use this forum, as a place to simply vent, or complain, or to criticize. I'm sure we all have plenty of that inside, but there are other forums and places to do that. We want to keep these huddles positive so as to inspire optimism and hope. We also ask that you be brief in your comments so that others have a chance to share ideas. I'm asking up front for your permission to politely interrupt you if I feel we need to keep the conversation moving forward. There are four primary purposes of these hubs. One, to support those who are struggling, to brainstorm strategies to help, to promote resources, and to engage collaboration. So today, I have with me a couple of guests. First of all, Brent Hale, who's a licensed mental health counselor and co-founder of Blancqis Health Solutions, which is an employee assistance program that helps organizations create high-performance workforces and helps people deal with life issues. I'll with me today, Tricia Schumann, a successful businesswoman with experience in both healthcare and technology, and currently is a board advisor to many healthcare companies from prevention programs to hospitals. Well, I'm going to give you a few minutes now to introduce the theme of our conversation today, um, so take it away.
1: Well, thank you, Daryl. Thank all of you for being here. Um, I want to give you a pat on the back that you took time away from the doom and the gloom of the news updates and the coronavirus disease discussions and, and questions about the availability of toilet paper. Um, <laughs> thank you for taking time to participate in our efforts to build resilience and optimism in the face of these very severely challenging times. We want to talk today a little bit about building resilience in the face of those challenging times. Um, over the last few weeks, there have been and will continue to be some fundamental shifts in our social landscape, unlike anything we've ever personally experienced before. Unemployment application, applications are reaching an all-time high. Small businesses are shattering every day. The stock market is losing value. Entire cities are being told to shelter in place. Social distancing has become the new normal, leaving most of us in isolation. The number of cases seem to be skyrocketing. We're being told our medical system will collapse. We're hearing daily of spiraling numbers from the virus. Uh, Just yesterday, the the president indicated that the next two or three weeks will probably be the most challenging weeks our country has ever had, and to expect somewhere between 100 and 240,000 deaths. There's no telling where all of this will end. So, you know, I'm just wondering how you're experiencing this situation. I want you to stop and think for just a minute about that. I'm hearing from uh, many of my friends that they're struggling much more than they anticipated. Um, they're feeling Those feelings are being driven by very anxious thoughts and anxious questions. What's going to happen and how bad will it get? When will it end? It seems to be getting worse, not better. Uh, one of the most particularly troublesome aspects of this particular situation is the open-endedness of it. Um, Questions like, how will I handle the financial problems? What if my parents or other vulnerable loved ones get it? Um, Just a host of anxiety-producing questions for which there's not yet any answers. My friends are also telling me that they're experiencing a lot of depressed moods and, and all of the difficult symptoms of depressed moods. Some are having difficulty sleeping. Uh, they're feeling gloom and doom, anticipating the worst. As Darrow mentioned before, there's a, there's a general sense of grieving that the world has somehow changed and that the new normal will be different and probably worse. It seems like a storm is coming, That there's something bad out there. Some folks are describing as their children are home that they're suddenly feeling more irritable and that they're overreacting. Seems like everything is too much, that they're disconnected, isolated, and lonely. And some are telling me that their addictive behavior, whatever that is, has suddenly been escalating. So at this time in America, there's no question that we're taking a hit to our, our mental health status. I think at this time, it's very important for us not to assume that all of the depression and anxiety feelings that we're having represent mental illness or mental disorders. I recognize and want to be sensitive to the fact that many individuals are actually facing mental illness and that the present situation may in fact be making that much worse for them yet, if your situation really is financially insecure, it's not a disorder for you to be anxious. In fact, it would be a disorder if you weren't anxious. The solution isn't to tell you or anyone that you have an individual pathology of the brain. The, the solution is to deal with the, the financial situation. Excuse me. What you need to know is that depression and the anxiety are signals telling us that our needs are not being met, and I would say one of the most single, the single most helpful things we can do is to allow ourselves to hear those signals. Now what we've done for a really long time in our culture is either insultful signals by saying depressed or anxious people are just weak or feeble, or we've all we've, we've, we've made them into pathology saying that they're purely biological malfunctions. Um, now, what we really need to do is hear and respect the signal. Once you hear the signal and you respect it, you start to think differently. First, it means that your pain makes some sense. So don't judge yourself. Don't shame yourself. There's nothing wrong with you. Acknowledging your feelings, even if they're scary, can really help you cope in a healthy way got news for you, you're not the only one that's freaking out. The news legitimately is frightening, and fear is normal, and it's a natural response, you're not alone. Now, all that being said, there is so much more to mental health than just the absence of mental, mental illness or mental disorders. In fact, the World Health Organization states that mental health is just the absence of mental illness. It involves the state of well-being. People are able to cope with the normal stresses that they face in daily life. So The ability to bounce back from adversity has been referred to as resilience. And that's the focus of our discussion today. Uh, developing resilience is a primary strategy for going on offense. People who are resilient also tend to have a positive view of their ability to cope and ch- with challenges. They seek out social support when they need it. Those who are more resilient are better able not only cope with stress but sometimes actually thrive and and grow personally in the face of it. So what, let me tell you what resilience is not. Being resilient doesn't mean that you don't experience difficulty and distress. People who have suffered major losses from in their lives commonly experience emotional distress and pain. In fact, the road to develop resilience often or likely involves considerable emotional distress. Now, some people have... More resilience than others. Some people are better able to deal with distressful situations than other people are, and a lot of that has to do with their life experiences experiences that they've had that have allowed them to develop their resilience. Resilience involves behaviors, thoughts, actions that anyone can learn and develop, They're learned abilities and mental skills that are commonly held by individuals throughout The And the good news is that each of us can build our resilience, and in fact, because we're dealing with something that's really tough, we probably are right now improving our ability to deal with things that are really tough. Like a muscle, increasing your resilience does, however, take some time and some intentionality. There are some things that you can do that actually help, that increase your ability to... Deal with life difficulties in the present situation and to deal with it with more grace and with less difficulty. There's a very interesting summary by the American Psychological Association summarizing all of the things that we know from our research about what really helps people build resilience. I want to talk about the things that they suggest. They say that. It's by focusing on four components, uh, connection, wellness, healthy thinking, and and meaning that you actually increase your capacity to handle and learn from the very difficult periods of adversity. So I want to talk about those. First of all, building your connection. What they suggest from the research is that you prioritize your relationships, that that you realize that connecting with empathetic and understanding people can remind you that you're not alone in the midst of difficulties, that your connections with others makes a profound difference to how you feel inside, your stress levels, and that looking at your relationships and seeing if there's ways that you can increase the connection and the closeness and open yourself up to meaningful conversation really helps. In a society where people are not being heard, the greatest gift that you can give is to actually genuinely listen to someone and be present with them. Now in the present situation, we can't go out and see each other at the moment. You can show up digitally. You can listen. You can be present. You can let people know that you care. And paradoxically, that's the single best thing you can do for yourself. I, I, I smile as I watch my wife having time right now where she reads storybooks to each of her grandchildren uh, over FaceTime, and what a meaningful experience that is for her. So don't isolate emotionally, reach out and get connected. The second thing that they suggest under connection is that it, it really helps to join a group. Uh, most people find that being active in civil groups, faith-based communities, or other, orga- other local organizations provides social support and can help you reclaim hope. The second basic strategy in resilience is to foster wellness. Take good care of your body. Taking good care of yourself is legitimate practice for mental health, and building resilience. It's because stress is not just a physical event; it's an emotional event as well. Positive lifestyle factors like proper nutrition, ample sleep, regular exercise can strengthen your body's ability to adapt to stress and reduce anxiety and depression. I think it's interesting to note that right now, probably more than any of our. Any time in our lifetimes, it would be really nice to have our immune systems working really well. Most people who get this virus are going to have a very mild experience because their immune systems are working pretty well. A lot of people won't even know they had it because their immune systems are working very well. And and taking good care of yourself, eating healthy food, of fresh fruits and vegetables, getting sleep, exercising regularly, they recommend about a half hour, 20 minutes to 30 minutes of moderately uh, moderately intense exercise every day. That's some wonderful things to your immune system. Under Fostering Wellness, the American Psychological Association also suggests practicing mindfulness. Now, there's really good em- uh, evidence to indicate that that works in spite of the fact that it sounds just a little hokey, but it works. Uh, so things like mindful journaling where you're writing down your thoughts and your feelings. Um, yoga. Those of you that have uh, practiced yoga know that it really makes a difference for you. Other spiritual practices like meditation or prayer actually do help people build connections and restore hope and build resilience. And when you do journal or meditate or pray, the recommendation is that you ruminate on the positive aspects of your life. You're not just thinking about the things that are scary for you, but you're bringing into your, your psychological space the, uh, some the some of the things that are good as well. Um, writing down what you're grateful for. There's good things to be grateful for, even in the middle of these distressing times. What that does is actually reprograms your brain.
0: Brent, while you're taking a pause, I'm just going to let you know that I've got those polls working. Oh, so good. Whenever you want to launch that first one that we talked about, we could do that.
1: Now, why don't you do that right now while I'm, while I'm just chatting, and we can look and see what the results are. Okay. So, one of the things that they suggest to avoid is to avoid negative outlets and, and, and don't try to mask your pain with alcohol, drugs, drugs. As you look at this question, that's I want you to ask yourself what degree have you been personally, <laughs> me, personally affected by the virus and the impact that it's had? Type in your answer to that and then we'll look at it together.
0: Hey, Brandon, it looks like we stopped receiving. We'll give it a few more. We'll give it a few more seconds. Okay. All right. It looks like uh, we stopped seeing it change. So I'm going to close it and I'm going to share it. So as you can see, 9% said that they were slightly affected. 36% said that they were moderately affected. 27% have said that they're directly affected, and 27% have said that they're significantly affected. And zero said that they're devastated.
1: Way to go. All right, we're dealing with a, with a fairly resilient group of people because this is a difficult thing. And um, that's great. That's super. Okay, well, let me go on with a couple more ideas that I can share with you, and then there's a, a question that I want to ask you to respond to. Uh, The American Psychological Association in reviewing the literature suggests that you find purpose. And and the best way to do that, actually, is to help others. Um, Getting out of your own head by helping others increases your sense of purpose, fosters self-worth, connection with other people. And when you actually help others, it empowers you to grow your own resilience. Now, there was a fascinating study that I came across. Dr. Brent Ford, a psychologist now at the University of Toronto and and her colleagues, wanted to answer a simple question. If you try consciously to make yourself happier, will you actually become happier? That's a good question. They studied this in four countries, the United States, Russia, Taiwan, and Japan. What they found was so interesting. They found that in the United States, those who conscientiously tried to make themselves happier didn't become happier on average. But in the other countries, those who tried to make themselves happier actually did become happier. So well, How could this be? Well, when they did more of an analysis, they discovered that in the, in the United States, when you try to make yourself happier, you generally do something for yourself. You work harder to get a promotion. You treat yourself by buying yourself something. And we could all think of things we would do on a list to make ourselves happier. In other countries, when you try to make yourself happier, you do something for someone else, for your friends, family, or your community. And the downstream consequence of that is that you end up genuinely happier. The other thing that you can do in finding purpose is to be proactive with your situation. It's helpful to acknowledge and accept your emotions during hard time, and it's also important to help you foster your self-discovery by asking yourself the question, what can I do about the problem in my life? If the problem seems too big to tackle, break it down into manageable people. But taking initiative initiative will remind you that you can muster motivation and purpose even during stressful periods in your life. Moving forward helps. It helps you have a great sense that you have efficacy, that when you turn the steering wheel of your ship, that your ship actually turns in that direction, which really helps. And the last thing that they talk about is Evidence-based ways to improve resilience is embrace healthy thoughts. You've got to keep things in perspective. How you think can play a significant role in how you feel and how resilient you are when you're faced with obstacles. So try to identify areas of irrational thinking, such as the tendency to catastrophize difficulties or assume that the very worst is most certainly what's about to happen and adapt, adapt to more balance than a realistic thinking pattern. The goal is to find balance in the things that you think. If you feel the worst image is taking shape, then make yourself think of the best image. And we all get a little sick, and the world will continue. Not everyone will die. There will, in fact, be a great level of survivability. And as that little video we watched at the beginning kind of dramatically portrayed when we think back on it. Most of what we're going to think about are the connections and the times that we were with our family and that we pulled together. So maintain a hopeful outlook. It's hard to be positive when life isn't going your way. Yet, An optimistic outlook empowers you to expect that good things will also happen to you. And if the constant alarmism of the talking heads on television are getting to you, set some limits on how much you're willing to watch. And let go of what you can't control. What your neighbor is doing is out of your control, so let it go. What you control is staying six feet away from your neighbor and washing your hands, so focus on that. Now, finally, I want you to Think for a minute of what you would say to a loved one who's actually heard all of these recommendations and is still feeling overwhelmed. I want you to think what you would say to them. They're feeling overwhelmed. What What have you learned? Um, what have you learned that uh, that's particularly helpful about dealing with 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 uh, with this this stressful situation? Well, what I want you to do is go into the question box that you see on your screen. You may have to 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 click on that little red arrow right up there, right up there, to to see it, and type in in that question box. I want you to answer: What would you say to a loved one who's still really struggling? What advice would you give them? What have you learned that is particular? So go ahead and do that right now.
0: And, uh, Brent, as people do that, we'll actually read those out loud so that people can hear the people's
1: responses. Okay. Uh,
2: Finding it out left.
1: Are you seeing responses? Don't, uh, Don't hesitate to ask for help. Communication is the
0: key to avoiding loneliness validating concerns
1: okay that's really key Being in a position where you empathetically listen you don't make them out to be wrong you uh, you are air. No, cool it is fresh air was another comment that was made
0: mhm
1: I find that really helps me. I, I uh, every day we'll, we live at a place where there's a trail close to our house, where there's not anybody, and my wife and I will hold hands and go walking and chatting. That that really kind of helps us balance. Uh huh. Someone said laugh,
0: practice gratitude, mindfulness, stay in the moment. Anxiety is thinking about the future. Depression is often caused by thinking of the past. Get a good night's rest um i'm finding uh creativity and ability to uh ability of our culture is refreshing finding ways to cre- uh to create equipment etc also humor uh loving people trying to connect with people um some comments um Focus on the good, quality time with my kids. Accomplish one simple task at a time.
1: It's really a key. Is. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's something magical about bringing yourself into focus. Um, yep. When when you're having um, stressful uh, anxious thoughts—it's like your your mind revs up and you start getting some ruminations going. And and we've learned that it's so helpful to um, to bring yourself back and be in the moment. Sometimes people will do something called um, deep breathing—seven, four, seven, eight breathing techniques. Uh, let me just share that with you while some more are popping up. Um, this is a, a breathing pattern that helps you bring focus back to the present and get out of the future and out of the past. This uh, camera is opposite, <laughs> future and the past. Uh, so here's what you do. When you start this particular breathing pattern, you adopt a sitting position, and you place the tip of the tongue on the tissue right behind the top of your front teeth, right there. And what you do is you focus on the breathing pattern, and you empty the lens of air, and then you breathe in quietly through your nose for four seconds, like this. And then you hold your breath for a count of seven seconds. Then you exhale forcefully through your through your mouth, pursing your lips and making a swoosh sound for eight seconds, like this. And you do that three or four times. Now that's silly, I know. That's a really silly thing, and yet the reality is that that helps you get back into the present and calms down the racing thoughts and. and, and helps to be in a position where you actually get more sense. What are some of the other things?
0: Brent, there's one of the comments that I think I skipped over rather quickly, and that was to laugh. You know, a lot of people, and, and this particular person said that you know jokes are always a way to get out of a funk, and I think that's an incredibly important thing that we we take time to to find lightheartedness and just be just be happy and laugh about things.
1: Have you experienced the same thing I have? I have I have friends that are sending me all sorts of really funny little things on the internet. Lots of them. Uh, and so I've seen more funny little jokes on the internet in the last couple of weeks that I've seen in the past year.
0: Thanks. Um TikTok just came in as one of the suggestions. It's a uh, it's kind of a uh, it's a new app, It's sort of like YouTube, but it it's short little videos, and, and they're often very fun, and they do create a lot of humor. So that's a good suggestion that just came in. Brent, I'm going to suggest we launch another poll, which is I'd like to take a survey of the group today to find out if people are participating more to help themselves or if they're here to learn and to share ideas of how they can help others, like friends, coworkers, family members. I'm going to take a minute now to launch that poll and look to get feedback from the group to find out so what, what's your interest today, in your own struggle or helping others. We're sitting at 80% helping others and 20% to our own struggles. It looks like people have pretty well finished. So I'm going to close that and share it. Again, 20% help with my own struggles and 80% help others like family and friends and coworkers. Now I'm going to hide that. Tricia, would you like to take a few minutes and share some thoughts and ideas that you have?
2: Sure. I To the point of humor, I do want to point out that today's April 1st. I have a couple of teenagers <laughs> in my home, so I think I'll have to come up with this before they, they target me. Uh, we've talked a lot about personal matters on the call so far, but I do want to point out that there are implications from a work standpoint as well many of us are employed some of us are employers and we'll share some articles after this webinar um, to further highlight how employers are coming together um, with their employees to solve some of these um, you know negative issues that people are experiencing and one way that organization is sharing um, I, i i wanted to point out again this article will be available after the webinar But an insurer called Cigna, many of you maybe use Cigna as your insurer, recently hosted a client forum, and this is a conference they hold where they bring together their largest employer clients to discuss the healthcare landscape. And, of course, because this was held in March, they were talking about COVID-19 and its impact on uh, the employees of these major employers. The primary issue that they addressed, of course, because most of us are working virtually, is the loneliness element of mental health. And, and it might be helpful also to have Brent weigh in on this after my And they talked about ways that employers and employees actually address this issue. And one of the thoughts is to go back to that work environment and Think about ways that that work environment actually fosters us emotionally, mentally, and, and many of those areas uh, are a result of a basic conversation. If you have a water cooler, there's the water cooler conversation about experiencing uh, things in your personal life and sharing those with your peers. There are ways that employers can produce these similar experiences in a virtual way. Uh, One, of course, is with a webinar. But uh, there was pointed out in this article that in the work environment, there are many peer relationships, and people have cultures in those environments. And so an intentional effort there might be to bring people together that traditionally are together in smaller groups and allow them to have those conversations they would normally have in a virtual way. So it could be setting up Skype calls, um, room calls, allowing those folks, of course, to have conversations around their work uh, needs, but then allow personal conversations and and general conversations that would naturally occur in that work environment. I thought that was actually very critical and and probably will help the isolation and loneliness factor that, according to this article, is the majority of the issue uh, that, that would occur uh, as a result of workplace displacement and people working virtually.
1: Oh, that's an excellent <laughs> idea. They, um, there, are, there are a lot of easy ways for people to connect uh, right now with either messenger, group, group messenger chats, uh, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom. Zoom will let you do a free 10-minute group call. We found with um, with my siblings uh, around different parts of the country, one of the things we've been doing is every day we do a, a Zoom call where we just check in and ask everybody what's going on, and we just kind of chat together and tell stories. And, and it's only a 10-minute call, but it's a lot of fun. Um Great idea. I thought it might be a
0: good idea if we, if you can see my screen, to maybe just review some of the resources and ideas that are uh, that have already been posted on our website. Um, that'd be okay if we jump in there. Um,
1: Great idea.
0: So I'm going to just kind of walk through each of the pages that we've provided already, and as we do this and share some of the suggestions and resources that are out there. If any of, the, any of these um, get you thinking about an idea or suggestion, again, please let us know. You'd like us to turn on your mic, and we'd be happy to have you join the conversation. So this page is ideas. So one of the suggestions that we've loaded is use the hashtag, going on offense, to praise those who are being positive and are uh, sharing ideas of how to be optimistic and deal with the emotional challenges today As well as post your own quotes on social media, and let that be contagious, and use the hashtag going on offense. Another one is um, we're going to, if we've got time towards the end here, just show a brief video by Dr. David Price, who makes three great suggestions on how to keep yourself safe, which are keep your hands clean, don't touch your face, and he says, wear a mask, not because you're wearing a mask to keep from breathing in the virus, wear a mask to keep yourself from touching your face and it doesn't have to be any I mean, it can be any kind of a mask it's just it's the the greatest way this virus is being transmitted into people's bodies is from hand to face. So if you can keep from touching your face that's huge. A gratitude thank those around who let you know um, let others know how much you appreciate them and the good that they bring in your life. Service uh, Brent mentioned that, Stay Connected, Brent mentioned that, Mindfulness, Brent mentioned that. Resources, we've actually loaded up a host of resources. Um, there's an interview with uh, one of the best prevention-focused primary care physicians in the country, Dr. Kayla Lebon that you can listen to. It's great on mindfulness and engaging the relaxation response. There's a whole mental health toolkit by MindShare that's available. Uh, as well as employers who are looking to create a employee resource group for mental health. the a great toolkit for employers to build that within your company. Lyft is a wonderful uh, resource. It's a digital online platform. You can sign up for free. That gives some great support. Uh, there's a whole list of mental health resources on everyday health. There's mindfulness uh, response. Free Mindfulness Resources is uh, a response from freemindfulness.org. The Process of Getting Tested and Treated is a presentation done by uh, David Berg, uh, who talks about what to do to get tested and to be treated. There's a Happiness Advantage uh, TED Talk that Brent shared with us. Uh, it's a great by a guy by the name of Sean Ecker. highly recommend that. Uh, characteristics of Mental Health. Uh, Melhouse is more than just the assets, kind of what Brent said. There's also an uh, article on the five science-backed strategies to build resilience, nine resources for coping with the anxiety right now, and then a webinar by Dr. Clay Bohr from Second MD. So those are just a few of the resources that we've loaded up on the website. And then there's a number of organizations that are offering free or discounted services right now to those that are needing help. Uh, and then we've got a list here of different companies that are supporting this effort. Uh, Brett, did some of those suggestions and uh, resources bring up any thoughts for you?
1: Yeah, there's there's really, um, there's a whole branch of, of psychology called positive psychology that I think is very apropos for this situation. The whole idea of positive psychology is that, We can actually retrain our brain to focus on things that are um, so that our experience is actually more optimistic and is more uh, life intensive And it has to do with retraining what our focus is and that there are... uh, a number of strategies that actually do that. And the fun thing about that is that this is not just hokey pokey stuff. There's some really interesting, powerful research that says that when you try to do these things, that it it works and that you change the experience that you're having long term. Um, and so, uh, for example, the, the little uh, TED talk that I Suggested Daryl that you put on, on on the resource page as a twelve minute talk on that. It's really funny. The guy is just absolutely funny. You'll laugh all your way through it. And yet, what he's talking about are is a summary of things that that make a difference using some really funny examples. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It it just seems like uh, some people are 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 just overwhelmed whenever they're facing something that has the potential of being bad or that is actually very aversive and and they their time is their space is just filled up with, with their fears and their 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 low moods and and um and it, it becomes very addictive and 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 in saying that I, I I recognize because I've worked for years and years and years with people who have genuine emotional illness, and what what we do with folks is we train them in the skill. When they are having an anxiety response, that what they do is they choose to use their agency to challenge that, and to uh, to 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 go through a four step process where they actually. Uh, Connect with their feelings, and and they they identify the distortion that they're using at the time, and they choose to challenge that, and they go ahead and they do what they need to do differently, and, and to do it anyway. And when they actually practice that set of skills, the the anxiety disorder that they have uh, becomes much more manageable, and for most folks, this anxiety completely goes away. Um, nice. There's there's a set of mood management skills that when people are having a, you know, a, a depressive episode uh, that is fitting all of the criteria for the, uh, to be diagnosed as depression, that uh, people will learn and employ skills. That are mood management skills where they learn to more empathetically connect with themselves. and They challenge some of their thinking. That what happens over time is that they actually uh, the mood actually lifts and the feeling happens inside of themselves. And they they do so much better. And for most folks, the depression goes away. Um, so there there really are some. Wonderful things that we can do when we're experiencing those emotions that are really helpful, and and online right now there's really wonderful resources. One of the things that I think very helpful and hopeful is that people are connecting with uh, mental health therapists online with virtual uh, video uh therapy. Our our particular employee assistance program has been offering that for a couple of years and we were finding that for the most part people wanted to come in and, and do face-to-face sessions. And uh what was interesting is that with this experience where people can do that, how uh, many more people are taking advantage of that and finding that it really works and it's really really enjoyable for them very helpful and so there's a bunch of resources that all of us have available to to do those kinds of things.
0: Wonderful, Brent. I'm going to interrupt you because we've got a participant that would like to jump on and have a comment. Alan, I've unmuted your phone so you
3: should be able to uh, share your thoughts. Alan, thanks for joining us today. Well, Daryl, thank you uh, for letting me jump in here for a minute. By the way, uh, what you and Brent and Tricia are doing today, I think is not only helpful, but timely. And just wanted to thank you for what, you're, what you put together here. My thought is this, I, I don't think we teach history well enough in this country, to this generation, and, and much of our people, I think, in this country lack a historical perspective. I did, I, I'm not saying hysterical. I mean historical. <laughs> uh, and um, that that said, we don't we don't really appreciate prior generations that went through oppressions and wars and sacrifices to the extent that they did within our own country. I think if we hearken back to some of the things that. Prior generations of experience, our our trials or sacrifices today will be much easier to keep in perspective than to handle. That, that's just a thought I would add.
0: That's a good point. I appreciate that. Thank you. So, um, I'm going to kind of bring things to a conclusion if that's okay. I do want to mention a few things in closing before I start up that final webinar. I am <laughs> going to just mentioned that uh, we've got some upcoming webinars in the next few weeks. This Friday, Bill Anderson will be joining us. He's a health benefit innovation strategist and consultant. Uh, to dis- He's going to join me to discuss strategies to address our greatest battles, which are often the battles within ourselves. Next Monday, April 6th, Amelia Forchuk and Chrissy Chin will join me to discuss being a parent through these crazy times. Amelia is a New York Times bestseller, ghostwriter, CEO, model, and mother. Chrissy is a young living gold leader who runs an online business called Grow Workspace and Mother of Two. Next Wednesday, April 8th, Dave Conferno will be my guest to talk about being resilient. Dave is the CEO of ePower Benefits and a genuine influencer in the healthcare innovation space. Dave is one of the most resilient individuals I have ever met in both his personal life as well as in his business life. Highly recommend you join us today for that. Now, immediately following the huddle, you're going to receive an email survey asking for your feedback on today's huddle. We would encourage you to take some time to fill it out. It's a very short survey. And give us suggestions on how we can make things better. Also, please send in your ideas and suggestions we will add them to the website. Furthermore, let us know if you would like to join us as a guest in an upcoming huddle, or if someone you know you think would be a good person to recommend. Uh, communicate with us by simply using the contact us form on the website for any of those thoughts or ideas. We want to thank today's participants and guest panelists. We also want to thank the organizers who have gotten behind this effort and are supporting it. I'd like to mention that Telefonica The world's largest telephone company has gotten behind this movement. They have spent the last few years investing significant dollars in developing a team of behavioral health scientists and programmers to create a mental health well-being digital app called EverMind and are offering it free of charge for the next few months to the employees of organizations that get behind this movement. There's no cost to be a supporting organization. Simply send us your logo, and we'll post it on the supporters page on the website. Check out our other wonderful authors of help on the help page on the website. We also want to let you know that we will be posting the recording of this huddle on the website as well as a podcast you can access through your favorite podcast platform. Now, I'm going to turn on for everyone's review if you'd like to, to, to watch. Otherwise, you can log off. The video that I mentioned earlier Of Dr. David Price, who, by the way, is in the middle of managing the ICU at the hospital that's been dedicated to this virus in New York City. In fact, uh, he took a few minutes out of his busy day to share a very emotional message of hope and share with people how he's not afraid of catching the virus, and he shares how he... is doing some very simple strategies. I mentioned those earlier, and a few more things that he's giving advice on as to how you too can be empowered and you can help empower your family um, by just doing some very simple things that you have complete control over. So I'm going to start that video now, and we'll sign off, and when we're done, we'll close the webinar.